This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. We're joined today by firefighter paramedic Mike Hertz. Mike entered the emergency services as an EMT in 2012, briefly joined as a volunteer, and then was hired on uh, as a firefighter medic. He is with the Avon Lake, Ohio Fire Department. Mike founded FirefighterNow.com, a site that offers free help to those looking to enter the fire service. Mike followed an unusual path in the fire service, uh, having entered after suffering a career-ending injury in professional soccer. He found that uh, the fire service was his calling, first emergency medical service, then the fire service was his calling. Much like myself, Mike had no family connection to the fire service. Uh, Mike is a columnist with Fire Rescue One, and we're going to have a discussion today about um, folks entering the fire service and some of the impressions that uh, they have and, and how we can help people uh, get here and stay here. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk for a few minutes about, uh, first I want to touch on uh, an article you'd previously written for us about the the reasons people leave the fire service in the first 90 days. And um, I, I'll, I'll start with the, the three top reasons. And then if you can kind of expand on that or talk about that, I'd appreciate it. You said the first reason was they were a poor fit or the job was a poor fit for them. Uh, the second reason was uh, they were looking for better pay or job stability than they found. And the third reason being there was no room for growth or frankly, they just thought it wasn't what they thought it would be. So can you help us understand there how we can uh, better prepare folks that are coming through to not fall into one of those traps? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, as for that article that I had written, I've noticed three big reasons, like you said, poor fit. And most of those are fairly self-explanatory. Poor fit seems like that's one of those, you know, uh, personalities clash a lot of times, as I'm sure you know, uh, in the fire service, there can be a lot of big personality and sometimes just it just doesn't work out maybe somebody's a little too a little too passive maybe somebody's a little too aggressive and they just don't fit in with the culture of that department um so that's one of those things you know i don't i don't know if you can ever avoid that um that's just i guess that's the purpose of the hiring process the interview process the ride-along process to see if this person would fit in with the with the culture of your department um the other one is better pay job and, and job stability like you mentioned um, again, that's one that's, that's, it's tough to, I think that would be tough to, to change. Cause a lot of that is so dependent on, you know, where you live, the, 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 Hey, the pay for firefighters is so different depending even just on what state you live in or even city to city. I know where I work, you can just go a few miles away and it's a pretty significant difference in pay. Um, so sometimes, you know, people are going to go where they can get paid the most usually and um you know but there's not every, there's not always something fire chiefs and fire departments can do because a lot of that comes down from the, the municipality and the city or whoever's whoever's paying their their salaries the sure. one though that i think people can do a lot about is no room for growth or they not or not what they thought it would be one thing i noticed when when i first joined the fire service is that it's a very prescribed path of growth in other words you have to take a test 
and then be interviewed again to see if you can if you can move up in the fire service. It doesn't matter necessarily how good the work you do is, how much work you put in. No matter how good you are, there will always be somebody that's more senior to you. And so they will naturally have more authority unless you become an officer or something like that. And I know I can only speak for myself, but I know lots of other people that that's very frustrating to them. And I understand why they have that system in place to avoid, you know, nepotism and kind of uh, playing favors and, and things like that. And I understand that, but that could be very, very frustrating to people. And I think that's a deterrent for a lot of the people that I've talked to um, and why they're frustrated in their department. And it, it leads to an overall decline in the morality is what I've found. Uh, the other thing, not what they thought it would be, you know, there's, and we could talk about this more. There's so many misconceptions out there about what the fire service is, what we do, what a typical day is like. People come in, there all charged up and they realize, oh, this is, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't want to do this. You know, where I work, we work as, we do a lot of EMS and we pick up a, a, a lot of sick elderly patients, which isn't necessarily the most exciting thing in the world. Um, and that's just not for some people. So, yeah, I think those are some of the three big reasons that uh, that a lot of people leave. Yeah, Mike, those, those misconceptions uh, are uh, an important factor for me. Uh, that I'd like to key on with the the next question we talk about here. And in your work helping folks through uh, firefighternow.com or just in your work in the fire department, what misconceptions, uh, other than just the, the EMS factor, what misconceptions are out there um, that today's applicants are bringing to the job? And what can we do as a fire service and as leaders in the fire service to help change those misconceptions? Yeah, so I've thought about that. And the two of the big misconceptions that I've heard from a lot of the people that have contacted me has been the biggest one is that they come in thinking every day is going to be this action packed, wild adventure, you know, Chicago fire style, uh, style day. And as I'm sure you can attest, and I know where I work, it's not that every day. There's definitely a lot of that, but it's that's not every day. Um, there's a lot of slow, tedious, and monotony that can come along with the job, too. Um, the other thing that I've noticed is that a lot of people come in and they think it's, they think it's you know, they're, they think they're joining the Marine Corps. It's, uh, it's, it's almost like they're uh, hyper-militant coming in, and, it, it, and we're not that either. It's definitely a strict, organized, well-run organization, the fire service and fire departments, but, but, but this isn't boot camp. Um, how we can address that, um, I think I think it comes in in a couple things. Setting realistic expectations for new for new guys or new women that want to join. Um, for example, we're hiring we're hiring where I work right now. Where they're going through that whole process, and they gave the opportunity for all the candidates that are under consideration now to schedule ride time with us. You don't get paid. Wear your you know street clothes, and you just come along and you spend time with us. You get to see what a day in the life at the Avon Lake Fire Department is like. And that gives you the opportunity to say, well, this isn't for me. Well, feel free to leave, you know? Um, so I think right. there, that's a big element of it. Another thing is to encourage people to get involved, even in the volunteer part-time. I know there's a lot of people that are against part-time firefighters and part-time fire departments. Get involved. That's the best way to see what it's really like is to go do it. Even though you might not be on a career department, Go sign up. These volunteer departments are dying for people. Um, so those those are what I've seen would be the two best ways to get a real handle on 
this is what it's actually like day to day. Yeah, no, it's a great, uh, great opportunity having those ride-alongs, um, and, and maybe it's something that some of our listeners uh, can emulate if they're not already doing that, is uh, just that encouragement. And, and some may have legal obstacles to, to that occurring, and that's okay. You can work through those things if you want to. And I sure. think that's uh, what, you know, what I see a lot of times is people get afraid of bringing someone along for a ride-along because of the legal obstacles. But there's ways to work through those things. And I sure. just encourage the chiefs and our other listeners to work through them. So great, uh, great advice there. Um, so, you know, as we work to change misconceptions, and there could be a million of them, we could go on forever, like you said, about any of these topics. But as we work to change misconceptions, we've also got um, an issue with uh, getting into the fire service in the first place. Now, whether it's a volunteer system that you're being voted into a membership or you're just applying into membership or a career paid uh, opportunity where you're going to be going for um, an interview, uh, it, whichever it is, it, you know, it's definitely said that uh, first impressions are lasting. So I some of the things that you've written about and some of the uh, the columns that, that you've written, I'm sorry, some of the articles that you've written for us, you do talk about advice for people in the interview process. So what advice could you give potential applicants that would be listening to us that will help them succeed in the interview process? Yeah, so I three things. The Number one would be your as I'm sure you can attest to this as well, the fire service is a very tight-knit, small group of people. There's hundreds of thousands of firefighters out there, but everybody knows everybody in their area. Um, so the first thing I would say is build a good reputation for yourself, which means whether you're working as an EMT or a paramedic for a private ambulance or in an emergency room or at a volunteer department or a part-time department, I promise you, you will work with people that know people at a fire department you will inevitably test an interview with. If those people have seen maybe your lack of work ethic, uh, maybe just your lack of ethics in general, they will find out about it, right? This is a small group of people, and I have yet to meet a firefighter who isn't interested in moving, advancing the fire service, who isn't interested in seeing the next generation be just as good, if not better, than the present generation. So. If, if your reputation is to be that guy or that girl to work with, man, you got to change that. And I get it. Not everybody gets along with everybody else, but your, your reputation is gold in the fire service. The second thing would be be presentable. Um, I've seen a lot of EMT and paramedic students and even other people that come in for interviews um, that just look like an absolute train wreck. Um, the, you have you. This is a professional job. You're, part of your job is to go out into the community and be, be a leader within your community, whatever, whatever that's defined as. Um, no fire department and no fire chief is looking for the sloppy guy or the sloppy girl. Clean yourself up if you're, you know, this is, again, sensitive. So if you're really overweight, lose weight, get in shape. No fire department is looking for the unpresentable firefighter. And then the third thing is the practice. Interviews really throw off a lot of people, get them real nervous, real riled up. The only way to combat that is to practice, 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 practice. So those, those would be my three tips for creating uh, uh, good first impressions in, in a multitude of fire departments that you'll inevitably uh, interview and test for. Uh, absolutely. No, great advice. And, 
you know, the practice thing, don't be afraid. I'll add to the practice. Don't be afraid to sit in front of a mirror and practice that process with yourself. Sometimes you can be your um, your most difficult critic. Uh, yep. And if that doesn't work, sit with a significant other that uh, can can go back and forth with you and ask the question. So absolutely, a, a practice interview is a great uh, a great tip for folks. Yeah. So as they as people prepare uh, for the job, again, whether it's a volunteer or a paid process, and talking about myself as a volunteer. Um, I started as a volunteer and not because I had family in the background, similar to what you said. Uh, in my case, my father was a, a World War II veteran and um, he was a, a minister and it was just uh, service was just in my blood. It was just something in my family, but I was the only fire service person, but in, in the family. So, one of the impediments that I found, and I'm, that's the question I'm going to ask, one of the impediments I found was that if you didn't have family in the fire service, it was difficult to get in. Uh, fortunately, I was in a place where there were not quite as, uh, especially a lot of the Northeast departments, uh, Northeast United States departments, there's a lot of family ties in a lot of those fire departments. And if you're not connected somehow, it's difficult to get in. Fortunately, I didn't have a significant number of those ties. But beyond that family tie issue, there's a lot of uh, personal and professional impediments that uh, that I've seen over the years. And you've just touched on a few in, the, in that uh, preparing yourself for an interview. But what other impediments do you see that most people struggle with that are trying to get into the fire service? Yeah, good question. So it's it's funny you mentioned that because I actually had the exact same experience, which is where Firefighter Now kind of came out of. Um, when I was in EMT school, I had to do my ride time. And I remember asking uh, some of the people at the department, like, hey, what, what, what can I expect? How can I prepare? How can I stand out? Uh, and man, we're, they were, whatever the polar opposite of helpful was is what they were. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, I, I can't believe they would act like that. Um, and I noticed that that was a trend when I went to fire school. Some of the other people I talked to said that they had the same experience. So, yeah, unfortunately, that is a thing like you were talking about with the fam, not having family. That's an impediment to a lot of people. But some of the other big ones that I've noticed are it's just criminal drug and work history. Um, man, if, if, if you're a teenager, if you're a high school guy or a high school girl, keep your nose clean. Uh, <laughs> you're going to be getting your, your driver's license. I, and I know it's hard to resist it, but don't go driving around like an idiot. Don't go getting a bunch of traffic tickets. It sounds simple, but it's not easy. Um, uh, so that would be the first thing, because that will follow you around and fire departments will bring that up and they will ask you about it. And there's, there's ways to get beyond that, depending on your level of maturity and what happened and things like that. But um, that, that would be the first one. The second one, which I think is a, little, a lot of people don't really talk about it as much, is just the general poor attitude. Um, I don't know, again, this depends a little bit on where, where you live, but getting into a career department, it's really competitive and it's really hard and it takes time and it's frustrating when these departments take weeks or months to get back to you. And it's really disheartening when you work so hard and you prepare for an interview and you 
do really well on a fitness test and you study really hard for an exam and then you get the letter that says, thanks, but no thanks, we're going to go with another candidate. I, I get it. I've been there. That's happened to me and it's awful and it takes a long time. But with a lot of people, what will end up happening is they'll think, oh, well, the whole system's rigged. It's not me. It's them. Uh, I'm so overqualified. This department doesn't know what they're missing out on. And their attitude will get worse and worse and worse and worse. And they'll find like people. Right. There's there's at least I can only speak for where I where I live and work is there's almost like a subculture of people that tried to get into the fire service and didn't make it. And then they try and pull everyone else down with them. Um, and man, that can be toxic. When you start spending time with people like that regularly and you've been testing for a year or maybe two years and you're still hanging out with and spending time with those people, good luck. Um, so it's almost kind of a self-sabotage I've noticed that happens with a lot of people. And that that's a huge impediment, huge impediment to a lot of good, good candidates. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what comes to mind is, as you were talking was, um, you know, that just the concept of doing the right thing, whether anybody's watching or not. Absolutely. Um, so, so as you talk about keeping your nose clean, um, I, I wrote that down and, uh, you know, I've used it before, but that's just uh, the con- a concept that's difficult sometimes for young folks to, to gather. You, you're absolutely right. It's, it's difficult. So let's uh, switch gears in the conversation just a bit, and uh, we'll talk about um, what I will call the connected generation. We give them every letter in the world, but at at the end of the day, what separates the generation today from uh, my generation, if you will, uh, when I was coming up, is that they are connected 24 hours a day. Uh, You know, when um, when I was growing up, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have smartphones. Uh, we didn't even have cable TV. It was over uh, an, this antenna thing that my dad and I climbed on the roof and attached to our chimney. Yeah. So the uh, connected generation of firefighter is one uh, tech savvy group that frankly has had computers and the internet at their fingertips since they were babies. So how do we better tap into that connected generation as we recruit and uh, team these people? Yeah, that's tough. Um, I have a I have a, a couple thoughts on that, and the first would be um, better better PR through authenticity. This this connected generation of people that have unlimited information at their fingertips and that's all they know um, have access to pretty much anything they have access to to my videos on firefighter now they have access to fire rescue one and everything that's on there they have access to god knows who else and any any other name on twitter or firefighter or anything like that they can find out an unbelievable amount of information so what i mean by authenticity is kind of showing these people this is what the fire service is about this is who we are and this is why you should want to join an organization like this um so i think i think that's i think that's a key part of it the the second thing that i would say is it comes from directly from fire service leadership which is i call it the uh the old salty old firefighter mentality where the whoever the younger generation is is the worst generation ever and they're lazy and they're entitled and they're yeah. all things. And right. it, 
I'm a millennial. I'm, I'm, I'm at the top of the millennial, whatever that is. I'm an old millennial and they're not, I, I won't even necessarily disagree with them in a lot, on a lot of things, but let's not forget every generation says that about the generation after them. Sure. Whether the older generation likes the way that millennials and I don't even know who's after millennials and, and after that, whether you like it or not, that's what it is. So instead of just attacking it and saying, well, you're just lazy, you're just this. It wasn't like this when I was coming in. It wasn't like this when I was coming up. How do we how do we reach out to these people and how do we integrate them into the fire service? And I think that's a, that's a question for leadership. And that's that's a tough question. And I think you only do that through um, being authentic now with this younger generation. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's great advice. And, you know, we could use that authenticity in so many things that we do. Uh, and I think we frankly, uh, as leaders, we tend to fail at authenticity more than we care to accept. So I appreciate uh, I, I appreciate that little bit of chiding, if you will, from the leadership perspective that's uh, well taken and well deserved, frankly. So as we uh, work towards closing the interview out, I, I want to let our listeners know about something. And um, I just had a question for you, Mike. It seems you're somewhat of a glutton for punishment <laughs> in, in that I understand you are now um, in law school. Um, so, you know, you've, you've been in the fire service for six, seven years now. You've got uh, um, a very young child and now you're in law school. So if all of the other things aren't enough, my question for you is, you know, how does that um, law school career, if you will, play into your fire service career? Yeah, good question. And yes, it is. It's it's definitely a punishment at this point right now. Um, <laughs> a lot. But uh, yeah, I think I think lawyers in society and I know there's I mean, there's a million jokes about lawyers and stuff like that. And believe me, I get it. Um, a lot of times they are in positions of leadership. And I think that having a legal background, I, I, I mean, listen, the, all, contract negotiations, um, uh, all this stuff at the, at the high end of the IAFF and even down to local unions and things like that, it's very law, contract, legal oriented. And just the ability to articulate yourself in a more, in a, in a more clear manner, I think it will be helpful from a leadership perspective and, and going forward. So that's 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 part of one. That's one of many reasons why I'm why I'm embarking on the path of law school. Sure. Well, good. I mean, we uh, sometimes get frustrated, like you said, with the number of lawyers it takes to change a light bulb. And, uh, <laughs> right. the, uh, the, but the reality is so much of what we do, um, we are reacting to decisions that people have made in poor legal context. And yeah. I think that if we can um, um, have a few more of our own who are in um, in that legal process or involved in that legal process, then maybe we can begin to help others avoid the pitfalls that yeah. uh, come with the things they do every day and they just don't even think about it or don't respect it, whatever it is. Uh, ultimately, having another firefighter in law school is not not a bad thing. So I appreciate you uh, being that glutton for punishment. Uh, you're certain, uh, certainly a, 
uh, a better man than me from that perspective of uh, going back to school to to do that. But I applaud you continuing to reach every day for uh, something more. Um, that, that's good. So I want to uh, capture a few takeaways from our conversation today uh, before we close out here. One that I, I really liked uh, in talking about misconceptions and uh, of people that are applying, and that is that every day isn't Chicago Fire. Yeah. Uh, and that while we are strict, uh, we're not the military. So we are a paramilitary organization, but we're not the military. And we as leaders need to do better at setting expectations for people coming in. So those were uh, some of those misconceptions and things we need to do to, to uh, work to change. Then for uh, folks in the interview process, you said three things that uh, you thought were, was good advice for people. One was to build a good reputation for yourself. And again, we could spend an entire uh, week worth of podcasts on that topic in, in and of itself. So one was to build a good reputation for yourself. Two was to show up presentable. And three was to practice the interview. Very simple stuff. Build a good reputation, be presentable, and practice the interview. Uh, then, as we talked about um, the uh, personal and professional impediments of folks coming in, the, the key takeaway I want people to uh, remember there was to keep your nose clean and keep a positive attitude. It's difficult to get here. Uh, it's more difficult to stay here. So keep your nose clean and keep a positive attitude. And then some guidance for leaders and chiefs in the service about um, how to better tap the what I call the connected generation. And that's everybody that's had the Internet at their fingertips since they were born, essentially. Uh, and a great uh, takeaway there for us as leaders was to be more authentic. And if we can produce the, the public relations or the, uh, the, the PR towards hiring and recruitment um, with more authenticity, I agree with you. It's uh, we're, we're more likely to tap into those people uh, to be able to to get them on the path that we're looking to get them on. Keep safe, stay smart and take care.